You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, Cosmic Pizza Podcast, the show of all sorts that sorts all by serving up a slice of life. What is your order, please? Uh huh. I see. The special it is. Be there to deliver ASAP. podcast special delivery hello and welcome to your special delivery of the cosmic pizza podcast i'm paul and today with me is dan in the uk and sean in canada and we are here to serve you a delicious slice of life and today as you can tell by the title we are continuing with our captain's it's a knockout In which we take uh, two captains, pit them against each other in five different categories, and see who wins, and they then move on to the next round. Now, at the moment, we've had round one, in which we had a horrific amount of uh, people. We had 32 captains through science, science fiction captains, real captains, um, captains from literature, captains from TV and film. It was a huge list, but we've managed to whittle it down to... Uh, 16 captains, which means eight fights in total, and this will go through. The winners of these will go through to the quarterfinals. Noise. So, who do we have lined up? Well, our captains are uh, Captain Han Solo versus James T. Kirk, Ooh. Uh, Captain John Sheridan versus Doctor Who, Captain Buck Rogers against Captain Benjamin Sisko, Commander Peter Taggart versus. Captain Catherine Janeway, uh, Captain William Adama versus Captain Freeman, uh, Captain Christopher Pike, Captain Jonathan Archer, uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds versus Captain Ramius, and Flash Gordon versus Jean-Luc Picard. So those are our fights. The categories we'll be um, fighting, they'll be fighting against each other in will be leadership, diplomacy, fighting, uh, also, uh, uh, that, that sort of thing, fighting, uh, luck, guile, or that, that sort of um, speciality, and respect, whether that comes from the crew uh, or their peers or their enemies or whatever. So if you've heard the previous rounds, you'll know what, uh, what what's going down. So we shall get straight on to Captain Han Solo versus James T. Kirk. And the first category is leadership. So, who wants to go first? Not me, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. So, we've got uh, Han Solo versus 
Captain Kirk. And for leadership in that category, we got to definitely give it, well, I don't know, it might be a tie, wouldn't it? Because uh, Kirk, of course, is uh, the leader of the flagship of the Federation. So like, that's not just Starfleet, that's the entire Federation. He uh, He's the commander of the flagship of like an intergalactic empire, so to speak. And I don't know what more I can say about Captain Kirk. If you've watched the shows, all 79 episodes, all the movies, uh, he's he's been a, a daring, dashing leader all throughout all of his adventures. Uh, and then we've got Han Solo, who, of course, he's more of a, a rogue or a scoundrel, if you will, maybe a scruffy looking nerf herder, perhaps. Uh, is, is he a leader? Well, he uh, he leads Chewbacca on many adventures. So there's that. What do you think, Dan? Um same same as what Sean just said um yeah leadership is about having a team who support you in every decision you make once you've made your mind up you have to have them follow your leadership and Kirk can say that in spades uh even in uh, times where he's breaking the rules and is going against the grain like in Star Trek 3 in Search for Spock he has his crew follow him to the jaws of almost oblivion uh, and they still go Han Solo has Chewie. That's it. That's it. <laughs> no one else follows him. Literally no one else follows no, him. No, they all argue with him all the time. Yeah. And even when he's a general, when he's uh, part of the resistance and he's in charge, um, all the backstory they gave in the, the more recent uh, trilogy uh, is that he kind of shirked it and then went back to being a smuggler again after however many years. And that was it again nobody led after him no one went with him you know he didn't have a bigger crew nothing exactly right yeah i think you've you've got it there um kirk leads leads the um the enterprise he's got was it six seven hundred people in there 400 and... 430 on the original oh that's how you stand corrected and yeah hans Solo has chewy <laughs> yeah so that's it yeah, oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> james t kirk has that straight away so, and I think I know where the next one's going to go as well. Diplomacy. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, Kirk here is is a diplomat. He's obviously in charge of a lot of first contact uh, situations. Um, as long as it's not against Klingons, he's fine. So, yeah, I mean, he's a very good diplomat. Han Solo, not an ounce of uh, diplomacy in you know in his body. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I think I think um, Kirk would would get that. What do you what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And just to cite one example, in the Corbinite, Corbomite maneuver, he, of course, uh, has a battle with Baylock, and at the end, he turns it around and makes a good friend. Exactly. Same with Devil in the Dark. I mean, again, he's, he's looking at something that's, you know, a monster that's killing you know, all of these people, and yet it turns out just to be a, a female looking after her, 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 her children. Um, and by the end of it, he's, they've got an agreement that they will help the uh, the mining community to dig holes in the ground. And, and yeah, so it's all very, very diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. I think he wins. So now this is where it gets a bit more interesting. Fighting. Well, Kirk does have the flying haya and the double-fisted karate chop. Um, what... Uh, yeah, and and the the of course the the Gorn he uh, he made his rudimentary lathe and he found some diamonds and some sulfur and uh, blew up the Gorn and of course with his diplomatic skills he didn't kill the guy. Chewie and Solo don't have too many um, fights. They they had the one in their solo film together, and uh, I, I can't think of any other times that um, Han Solo had a fisticuff. 
No, that's right. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah, you, you never see him in a hand-to-hand combat. It's always with a blaster. We know that he shot first, but uh, and then he chased the stormtroopers away with their with the blasters, and then he ran away the other way when they chased him back. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I always get the impression he's the sort of person that would either get punched on the nose and he'd just go straight out, or he would hit somebody and then shake his fist because he's hurt himself. <laughs> Whereas Kirk, we know, can you know fly horizontally through the air using his body, you know, as a as a rock, you know, to. You know, bounce into people and yeah so yeah he's, he's a much better fighter i think there and and also of, of course we know that kirk fought khan a genetically engineered superman and he won so with the aid I, of, a, I, of a big wrench yeah yeah plastic wrench oh, in the engineering oh look at that oh there you go <laughs> they immortalized forever <laughs> It looks like they're, they're posing for a <laughs> selfie. Well, then. I think that's more of a, he's just like a baseball. He's about to, the, the, the backstop there has just got the ball in his face. Kirk's missed it. He's swung it's almost missed. like, Khan saying, did you ever see the movie Matrix? Yes, I can do that backflip. Look. <laughs> it was a great movie, a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, very good. Okay, so, yeah, I think uh, Kirk's already 3-0 up. Um, yeah, luck and respect. I think both would go to Kirk anyway. I think Solo's probably very, very lucky, but then so's James T. Kirk. Mm. That's what makes him good. He's, he's yeah. he does have a lot of luck, but respect will always go to Kirk and, and not to and Solo. Of course. I think, so. What what did uh, General yeah. Chang say? Oh, how I've always wanted to meet you, warrior to warrior, mm. or whatever the quote is. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's it. Perfect. Perfect. So there you go. James T. Kirk goes through to the quarterfinals. But who will he be playing against? Will it be Captain John Sheridan or Doctor Who uh, leadership? Dan? Um, I, I think, you know, I know what the answer is going to end up being. So I'm going to uh, throw my hat in for Doctor Who leadership. Uh, the Doctor has led armies into battle against uh, huge enemies, huge waves of enemies, um, has become the president of the Time Lords at one point, uh, has uh, led uh, time and time again loads of different uh, companions and uh, often to their death, again, leading them to their death. And they go willingly because they love the Doctor so much, uh, whoever they may be. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go for the Doctor because so many leadership roles have been fulfilled by the Doctor. I could, I, you could virtually say the same thing about John Sheridan. He's led armies. Yeah, because yeah. he, he has. He, 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 what did he do? He uh, he led the Intergalactic Federation against the Shadows, and he was victorious. He was the only man to come back alive from Zaha Doom. This is true. This is a very close call. It is. Uh, but the Doctor is the only man and woman to ever come back from the Jaws of Oblivion, from rebooting the universe twice. Mm-hmm. John Sheridan's only been the man to come back from Zaha Doom. <laughs> Just saying, two genders. Oh, oh, that just might swing it. I think numbers game. <laughs> but surely you would split that half in half, then you know, half to the man, half to the woman. True. So, well, across across two universes. Yeah. So you know, the one man to you know, the man doctor took one universe, and the female doctor took the other. It's fine. Okay, okay, we'll give that to Doctor Who. <laughs> I just know that it's going to be a whitewash uh, yeah. otherwise if I don't stand up for Doctor yes. Who. 
Okay, well, diplomacy then. I mean, you've got John Sheridan there, who has to be the ultimate diplomat. He has so many different races over so many different um, planets, so many different factions, and he has to be the ultimate diplomat, getting these into a room together uh, to have their meetings every day. You know, and it is a huge diplomatic uh, task to keep all of these from you know, killing each other. That, that's basically why he's on the station. Yeah. He is the he's in charge of all that good stuff. But then Doctor Who does a very similar job. Goes around the, the you know, mostly the Earth, but goes around the universe. The Doctor kind of goes against the grain. Like the Doctor is saying that it's my way or it's nothing. Um, there are so many times when an alien race will do something bad. The Doctor will then step in and say, "Well, that's it. You've you've broken the golden rule or whatever rules I'm setting for this scenario." Um, whereas John Sheridan will look at everybody's point of view and babylon 5 is built for the same purpose of bringing everyone together as opposed to the doctor who's saying look there's only one rule you have to obey it otherwise that's it you're out there is you know the diplomacy works the other way for the doctor okay so diplomacy i think we're going to where are we going to go with that we're going to give it to john sheridan because that was he he was the uh a diplomat who has to uh, deal with yeah. total civilizations whereas doctor who really sort of deals with one-on-ones Think we go for that. Uh, fighting. Uh, does does the doctor uh, get into fisticuffs? Uh, I, I I can't recall. I haven't um, seen everything, but I don't think so. No. The doctor is a pacifist. Uh, no matter what guys they're in, they're always a pacifist. They always find the the smart solution, the unusual solution, um, the techie solution. Um, the doctor can throw down. The doctor has done um, their own version of Kirk Fu. Uh, when they were the third doctor, they had like a judo thing where it was like a throw, but it wasn't aggressive. Uh, it wasn't uh, with the point of actually hurting them. It was to deflect them so that then you could have a conversation with them. Uh, so that's the only time they've ever been in a fight, but it was to disarm or it was to move away or deflect rather than uh, fisticuffs, unlike Sheridan, who would open a door and then punch you in the face. <laughs> true, true enough. True enough. And think of all his starship battles. Um... Has has he done uh, hand to hand fighting? It's it's been a few years since I've seen Babylon Five, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's been in some uh, nasty scrapes. I think he's thrown a punch or two. I, I do believe so, and he uh, he's a hell of a Star Fury pilot, that's for sure. So yeah, fighting goes to Captain Sheridan. Next up is uh, Luck or Guile or however you want to to say that. Well, I'm I'm sure the doctor's pretty lucky, but uh, who who else uh, survived Zaha Doom and got to live for another twenty years? Uh, and he, he got to uh, get married to uh, to Delenn, played by Mira Furlan. That's pretty lucky, if you're asking me. <laughs> and and to work side by side in close proximity with Claudia Christian's Ivanova. Holy crap! It doesn't get any luckier than that. Have you seen that lady? So yeah, okay, okay, but. Um... I don't know, Doctor Who, you see, because because Doctor Who is not a physical fighter, they have to rely on a little bit of luck, but a lot of guile as well, and their wits and their, their intelligence to um, tackle aliens and different races and try to outthink them every time. I think there's uh, a little bit more to that than there is, mm. you know. If, if we're going with the new Doctor Whos, where they've had this arc going on in the background... There's always been like a, a little reference that we, the audience, see, and it's quite obvious. The very first season, when they first brought it back, Bad Wolf was a word 
uh, a phrase that was written on everything and we could see it all in the background and everyone was wondering what this was all about the doctor in the series in the universe puts it all together in their mind um, but they only find out about it through luck through their 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 guile and putting themselves in the right situations um so they they're able to put together vast conspiracies across thousands of years of time complete coincidence and stuff that they've done themselves to then save the universe over and over again and we're we're 10 no not even more than that now oh god uh, 13 iterations of the doctor 13 iterations of the doctor but then you've got um you know uh, all the years of the most recent iteration of the doc, do, Doctor. Then you've got all of the old classic series of Doctor, all the way up to uh, Paul McGann. You've got a rebooted American movie, which has now become part of Doctor Who uh, and has not been forgotten. Um, loads of reboots. They've rebooted the universe, as I've said before. And they completely shut down the universe and then booted it back up again. That's got to be pretty lucky as well. And he's pretty lucky that he has that sonic screwdriver. Very and lucky. He, he's also lucky that uh, the show premiered on the day JFK was assassinated and it still survived somehow. So yeah. I don't know. Could, could it be a tie for luck? Should we? Okay. Should we see what respect <laughs> gives us? I think, yeah, respect now then. <laughs> well, John Sheridan automatically wins respect because nobody knows who the doctor is. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> respect from the enemies, the Daleks, respect Doctor Who. The that's, Cybermen, respect Doctor Who. Yeah. As an adversary, that's true. Mm. And the argument and the, I made last time, the, the space police, the Shadow Proclamation, they respect Doctor Who, who's the ultimate authority. And then, of course, you have John Sheridan being the president of the Intergalactic Federation. Uh, he's respected by the Shadows and the Borlons and the Mamari. So, yeah. He's really, the only one, yeah, he's, he's the only one that everybody respects enough to, to put into that position. So it could be a, a tie for that, for that last mm. respect. If that's we, the case, then Sheridan wins? Sheridan I, wins by four points to three. Just mm. takes it by one point. Wow, that was close. It was close. So that's our first um, quarterfinal. Will be James T. Kirk and John Sheridan. That's going to be a throwdown. Wow. Mm. The next two people are Captain Buck Rogers and Captain Benjamin Sisko. We start with leadership. So Sisko is the captain of Deep Space Nine, the space station. He's the emissary Uh, to the prophets. This is true. Um, although that's more of a, well, I suppose that's the leadership from the, the Bajoran side of things, I suppose. But mm-hmm. um, spiritual leader. Yeah. Um, he's obviously been the captain. So he's he's been captain on ships and uh, has led, led against, he led um, one of the ships in the uh, fight for Wolf 359. Uh, he was a commander or a lieutenant on the Saratoga. I can't remember what his rank was. Uh-huh. Buck Rogers. I don't know enough about Buck Rogers to to, to swing this either way, but Dan will have to take it because I've never seen Buck Rogers. Not as a leader. I mean, he was he was commander of Ranger Three, uh, which was a last of the deep space probes to leave Earth uh, in uh, 1987, I think it was. And um, as we all know, uh, it was in the history books. And he led a one man team. That's it. Uh, commander or colonel deering who then becomes uh, a general deering i think later on 
she is in charge of him. He's uh, got to answer to pretty much everybody on the show. Uh, it's only in the second season where he becomes, I think, an official captain. And they go out on the thing. It's the Searcher, which is their spaceship. Uh, and then they go and meet other races and it becomes much more like Star Trek that he has a more leadership role. But again, he answers to other people. So he isn't really in a leadership role at all. So I think we'll give this to Cisco because and I was if it was going to get any closer, I was going to say, well, you know, Cisco had to make the hard decisions in the uh, in the war, mm. um, bringing in the uh, the Romulans to you know, obviously try and help the fight and everything. So yeah, yeah. that's that's a leadership, a really tough leadership decision that he has to make there. So yeah, okay, that's uh, that's the uh, first point to Cisco. Uh, diplomacy. Hmm. Well, he he didn't uh, haul off and drive one to uh, the face of either Kai Win or Gal Dukat, so that's pretty diplomatic because those people are horrible. Very true. Yeah, that's right. And, and again, he has to deal with a lot of different races coming through that station and and be the ultimate diplomat, sorting out any issues and disagreements they have. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty diplomatic. I don't think uh, I can't really remember Buck Rogers being diplomatic in any way. It's sort of no. he's, he's his sort of, position, really, was it? Yeah, he's sort of like the secret weapon. You bring him in when all the diplomacy's failed, and then he'll use some twentieth-century bit of know-how to to fight the battle and end the war. Or um, he will bring peace at the end of the episode, but he won't actually be the instigator of it. It'll be because the the Earth president has failed, and therefore he comes in and says, "Well, you know, if you load a torpedo in the tailpipe of a car, you know, it'll explode." And you know he'll just come up with some random thing that uh, wouldn't even make sense to us in our time and century. Um, but he's, yeah, he's not the one in charge of it again. So, yeah, I think uh, Cisco's going to win that one. Fighting. Got to give it to Cisco again because uh, he punched Q in the face and Q never came back. And Q is a god, an omnipotent being. Their <laughs> argument solved. <laughs> this is true. But then, isn't Buck Rogers more of a he, he fly? He, he's it flies fighters rather than uh, any bigger ship than that. So doesn't he? Yeah, Buck he's, Rogers can hold him. You know, hold it. Uh, he's a brawler. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. It's never quite as developed as Kirk Fu coming back to that idea, but uh, he could probably hold his own against Cisco. Yeah, I think you only see Cisco punch a Q. He doesn't really do much else. He, he's more of a phaser man, isn't he? I mean, I that's that's true. So we'll, we'll give this one to Buck because. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. he, Buck's going to lose, so we might as well give him a point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so Luck and Guile. Well, I, well, hmm, I think they, this could be a draw, really, because I think they're both sort of fairly lucky. I mean, the, Buck Rogers was lucky that he didn't, you know, blow up in his ship. He actually did, you know, find, uh, you know, somebody to rescue him. And he's lucky that he left Earth in 1987 before the eugenics wars of 1996. That's Very right, good and, and, and the bug of Y2K and, and uh, the 2020 uh, pandemic. So yeah, that's that's true. But I don't know. Cisco was pretty lucky when uh, he, his back was against the wall, and uh, he went through the wormhole in his one ship to face the 2800 ships of the Dominion fleet, and. The prophet said, oh, no, we got to keep you around because you're awesome. So we'll just make those guys disappear. How lucky is that? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think they're both they're both yeah. pretty close there. I think uh, I think a point each, really, because it'd be hard to split them. So it's uh, three, two to Cisco at the moment. And we come to respect. Mm, well, yeah. you know who my votes for. I, I think it's going to be the same. I think Cisco's yeah. got a lot of respect from um, the prophet's. He's got, uh, well, and when you get 
you know respect from you know the the, the, the wormhole aliens that's just you know incredible they respect him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Top, top that buck rogers um <laughs> he can't he really can't top that yeah, because yeah. again he's the guy who's brought in because nobody knows about him he's the man from the 20th century and it's only because they underestimate him because they think he's so barbaric and out of step that he wins and they don't respect him they don't respect his skills it's only after the fact once he's beaten them that they then begin to respect him and it's it's hawkman and uh twiggy are the only two characters i think who actually respect him from day one and that's it fair enough <laughs> captain cisco gets the vote and he wins that um uh, the round two uh four two so cisco goes through to the next round in the quarterfinals and he will be playing against oh we could have an all it could be an all star trek thing if not it could be an all star trek fake star trek Commander Peter Taggart versus Captain Catherine Janeway. Mm, that's my uh, one of my favorite movies against my least favorite Star Trek series. I don't know. Mm. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, so leadership. Uh, well, I can't really give it to Catherine, although she did bring her crew home safely. She kept making stupid mistakes. Oh no! In- instead of going home, we'll just blow up the array because uh, we got to protect these Okampa that we've never met before. Um, you know, we-, we could go home, except uh, let- let's go over here and check out this nebula instead. Or uh, let's do this in- instead of the other thing. So sure, she led her crew and she made them get there safely, but it took her seven years. But they went along with it. Yeah, so the crew's not very good either. <laughs> <laughs> she does lead. A bunch of rebels and a Starfleet crew for four episodes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until and, they all and, become Starfleet crew. Yeah. yeah, until they drop the McKee storyline. So we'll just we'll just forget about this whole concept <laughs> until in season seven they're like, oh, that was a really interesting thread. Let's come back to that for a little bit. That's a really good yeah. idea. Is it the Foundation way, a Foundation way, it's the Federation way, or no way, <laughs> the Jane way, the Jane way. <laughs> And then, of course, we got Peter, 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 Quincy, 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 Taggart, Taggart, Taggart. Yeah. Galaxy Quest. Yeah, that's right. Now, this, this man lead, leads a, a crew of actors um, and turns them into Starship crew. All within two hours. It took January seven seasons and 180 episodes. <laughs> that's right. I mean, what's a, that's amazing leadership, isn't it? I mean, he takes a crew that really doesn't respect him, doesn't you know, follow him, doesn't you know, doesn't want to be with him. But then ultimately, at the end of it, they're following his, his you know, they're on his every word, and they're they're doing exactly what they should do in the show and follow him. And that's great. That's great leadership there. And they all respect him by the end. Yeah, this is true. In the universe, so, he's a great captain. As an actor, he's a good uh, ensemble man. And then to his fans, he leads his fans. The fans love him the whole way through. Three different crews. There you go. There you go. Taggart has it. So on to diplomacy. Taggart just opened fire in the first uh, time he met an alien, <laughs> thinking it, I mean, admittedly, he thought it was false and it was all made up in someone's uh, shed. But still, his decision was to open fire first off. Give him left cannons, give him right cannons. That'll be enough. (laughs) (laughs) He's as ugly as he is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not very diplomatic. Mm, True. How many many, 
uh, alien species did Janeway have to be diplomatic with in order to get through their space and get them home safely on the journey? I think Janeway wins the diplomacy card. Definitely. But she, she had to be di- diplomatic to every single species she, she met. Whether because she wanted to or contact. not. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think Janeway gets that one easily. Uh, fighting. Well, Taggart fought a rock monster. Yeah. And won. Yeah, with a shirt, without a shirt. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and the, the, and all those little, uh, cute little baby type bl- bl- aliens. The blue miners, yeah. Yeah, who then attacked them. And yeah, so, uh, you know, fighting, he's, he's, he's been in a bit of a punch up now and again. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Uh, has um, you know, ever... for, uh, I was going to say, for, for, a, for an actor, and not necessarily a Starship captain, that's pretty good going. He was rescued at the end, though. Like somebody else had to beam the rock out. Whereas Janeway went toe to toe with a macrovirus with a knife and she wasn't rescued. You know, she got the, the antidote from the doctor, but she had to then administer. Yeah, well, that was the only real time that you see her in <laughs> seven seasons, you know, really sort of roll up her sleeves and, you know, get into a fight. Or, or at the end of Galaxy Quest, the big fight between Tagger and Xeris. Uh, Is it Xeris? And so. again, he didn't finish the fight. It was uh, the Thermians, the guy with the the walking stick, had to finish him off. Never give up, never surrender. <laughs> what a great movie! I need to go watch it again. <laughs> the, oh, the documentary is amazing. Uh, I only just caught it on Amazon Prime. Really good. Never give up, never surrender. The documentary of uh, the Galaxy Quest was so good. Oh, I'll have to watch that. I can't remember if I've seen it. I know yeah. I've wanted to. The interview with uh, with Brent Spiner is fantastic because he just says, why didn't we do this? Why didn't the Next Generation <laughs> crew just make this movie? This is fantastic. Yeah, I know. I have to have to watch that. So, right. uh, so, so where we go? Sorry, uh, Sean. Fighting goes to Taggart. Yeah, I'd say so. He does He does more in, what, 1900 minutes than two mm-hmm. hours, yeah, than Janeway did in seven, episodes, seven seasons. Okay. So it's 2-1 to, to Peter Taggart. Funny enough. There you go, so far. So luck on and guile. Janeway's lucky that you know she managed to find her way through the uh, the Badlands to get the uh, you know and keep the ship the ship in one piece, vaguely. She's had a lot of luck uh, coming back, and every every season she takes another 10 years off the uh, the time it takes to come back home. True, and, and she was pretty lucky that uh, the series was episodic, so everything always reset at the end, and it was just fine. <laughs> they never saw a starbase in their life, but the ship was always okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, Kate, was like, Katie, uh, the, wasn't Deck 13 completely flooded last week? Yeah, no, it's fine. It's all sorted. It's really good. Yeah, yeah we just opened the hatch, sucked all the yeah. water out. Yeah. <laughs> Off it goes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pretty lucky to, to to find enough fuel to you know keep going and keep coming back so yeah there's a lot of luck there and and lucky they started with uh 38 photon torpedoes and they got to shoot off like 187 and, and they had like four shuttles and they blew up 75 of them so that's pretty lucky well, they've got a maintenance crew they can rebuild more but yes yes that's pretty lucky <laughs> lucky the writers weren't keeping track of uh, their own story <laughs> yes so uh, uh would you consider him lucky or I'd, I'd say because uh, he he was pretty lucky that uh, he he could uh, activate the omega thirteen. Lucky he remembered what it was all about. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Lucky he survived the fight with the rock monster. Lucky he got uh, teleported up and he didn't turn inside out and explode. I think he's pretty lucky. 
Lucky going through the minefield and coming out the other side, dragging mines. Lucky he had uh, a crew that uh, were competent and knew what they were doing, even though they were only actors. It's, it's a close one. I think it's yeah. a, is that a tie for, for that particular category, do you think? I think I'm going to go with Janeway just because it's lucky that she got home. Given all the things that you guys have just said mm. and all the detours she took and everything like that, that that, that crew even got close to getting home at any point. Um, you know, the, her journey would have taken at least 500 years. It would have been several more seasons than we actually got had it been the Starfleet Janeway. Uh, but um, yeah, she managed to get home in seven years. That's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's just just about yeah it tips it into into her uh, court. So that makes it two all. Ooh. It's now down to the last uh, category, which is respect. Do you think that Janeway is respected by a lot of the aliens that she's met? She set up several sort of mini federations. There's lots of different episodes where uh, all the Year of Hell take the Year of Hell. She managed to rally all of those races together. They against this common enemy. They didn't quite believe her because of all the time shifts and everything like that. And she got an alliance going. Then you got the episode where they're stuck in the void and she got all of those crews to work together despite thinking that it wasn't in their best interests. And she made a mini federation again. Um, there's so many different races that are more powerful than Voyager. And then they respect her. The Borg, the Species 8472. Um, the, oh God, what, what were the ones that kept on stopping them for the inspections? and uh it the, was the holographic of, photon things yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't remember but yeah yeah like that that was an entire empire and she was able to uh, not outfox them but they respected her enough to have to play those mind games and send a spy in to try and find the holographics they were hiding um she's commanded a fair share of respect i think against her enemies true but at the convention at the beginning of the movie all the girls dressed up like Tawny Madison were all like, Ooh, so they, they respected him and his good looks and his leadership and his TV show uh, handling. So there's that sure. His, his crewmates didn't respect him very much at the beginning because they thought he was a blowhard, but by the end they sure respected him. And Cirrus sure learned how to respect him too. Didn't he? Until he died. Yeah. Until he died for sure. <laughs> for that 13 seconds. But uh... the guys in the men's lose didn't respect him. They kept on saying, oh, a bunch of losers. That That's true. That's true. But the Thermians really enjoyed the historical documents and they were very respectful. They built them an entire replica ship. True. Yeah, that's only one species, though, isn't it? Like I say, Janeway's you know, gone through half the galaxy and, and picked up quite a few. So I think Janeway's going to get this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Taggart will come back. Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> Which lines up an interesting fight in the quarterfinals where it becomes Benjamin Sisko versus Catherine Janeway. There's coffee in that wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Right. Okay. Moving on. William Adama versus Captain Freeman. So, leadership. Well, I got to give it to Adama because uh, he gathered the remaining. Uh, rest the rest of humanity, all 50,000 and odd change people, and put them in what 200 ships, 400 ships, however many it was. And he, he led them across the galaxy to Earth 150,000 years ago. And he made humanity survive. If that's not leadership, I don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> 
This is true. I and mean, we, I don't think we see enough of Captain Freeman to see uh, what her leadership cap- capabilities are. But she obviously does lead this uh, crew, um, you know, and and ultimately, you know, is respected by them. So, but not very well because yeah. uh, Riker had to come in at the end and save her from uh, the Packleds. Uh, her daughter didn't uh, really think of her as a leader either because she kept, you know, just defying her at every turn. But then that's interesting because both these commanders are in a show where we see them and their child and their interaction. So you've got Mariner and then you've got Apollo. And Apollo at first doesn't really respect Adama the same Mm -hmm. way that Mariner does. And I think that that is kind of the general gist we got in the very last episode of Lower Decks. So the vector has already been set. You know, that character is possibly going the same route as Apollo. And I could see it happening faster for Mariner than I think it did for Apollo. It took Apollo putting on a lot of weight and having to get his own command somewhere else on another Galactica, uh, on another Battlestar, uh, before he kind of appreciated what Adama went through. Whereas I think Mariner knows that her captain goes through so much. Her mum goes through so much. She's just deliberately trying to put walls up against it because she's got her own problems, her own uh, inner turmoil. Um I'll, I'm going to go for Freeman because I know that it's really going to be a Dharma. So I'm going to stand up for her. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, she does have a member of the crew who dies for her and willingly goes to hell. Um, uh, you know, courtesy or delivery from the, uh, from Bajor, as he says in one of the episodes, you know, uh, when the pilot, they see you tell them I sent you, um, you know, that man is willing to die for her. But then, then you've got a Dharma who's, who's got, you know, who's had a lot more people die for him and, and whatever. So, yeah, I think, I think we've got to give that to Adama. <laughs> I think so. Uh, diplomacy. Well, again, we don't, do we see... <laughs> Captain Freeman, the problem with Captain Freeman is... Uh, we don't see her that much. She, well, A, we don't see her that much, but B, she is the second contact for the <laughs> people would see. So the diplomacy work has already been done by the people who do the first contact. Right. So yeah, her so... ship comes along as second and just gets all the paperwork filed and stuff like that. So... She deals with the diplomatic side of things, but she isn't the diplomat. And and she didn't have to uh, negotiate with uh, the quorum, with the Cylons, with 200 leaders of starships. Admiral Adama had to do everything with everybody yep. and That's right. do it successfully. I think, I think Adama's got that one yep. quite easily. I'm sorry, Carol. Sorry, Carol. On the first name basis. Ooh. Oh yeah, absolutely. Me, <laughs> me and Freeman are like that. Absolutely. You go way back. Yeah. Okay, fighting, fighting ability. So uh, again, we we, we see uh, Freeman. You know, is very much a phaser person, not necessarily a punch him in the face type person. Whereas the Dharma fought a Cylon, fighting him across uh, you know the, the the decks of a of a ship or or the um, supply um, ship when they first meet. Uh, he gets beaten up pretty bad, but he holds his own against him. So uh, I think uh, Adama should get that. I agree. Yeah. Freeman uses good phases and things like that. But again, throw down fisticuffs. Uh, she loses the fight to her holographic self uh, and her own daughter. So, yeah, I'm afraid nothing I can stand up for her with that one. I think uh, Captain Freeman had a quite a, an easy first round against Captain Hook, you see. Which, you know, so, but she, she's been put up against you know, a really, really tough opponent here. Um, it's already 3-0, uh, 
but guile and respect are two different categories that we that we would go for next. I think pretty much going to be a whitewash, really. Well, think about it this way. Uh, Commander Adama was promoted by Admiral Ensign Rowe and became an admiral himself before he blew her up real good or whatever happened. I can't remember now, but uh, that's that's a lot of respect and a lot of luck right there. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's quite an easy win for, uh, for William Adama there. Um, Captain Freeman is not a bad captain in any way. It's yeah. just... She was up against yeah. a stronger competitor. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we can't, you can't use that anymore, Sean. <laughs> I know, it's very we, sad. What we'll have to do is we'll have to cut out the, um, you know, this is uh, uh, Admiral Adama saying, Think listen to the Cosmic Pizza podcast. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I need, I need to get some celebrities over on uh, Soulforge so that I can uh, <laughs> do a mashup of all the celebrities that I've had. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Christopher Pike versus Jonathan Archer, a, a full Star Trek matchup. Oh, a couple of classic captains. Yeah, hard. Oh, dear. Uh, can, can we skip this one? <laughs> <laughs> Put them both through. Um, mm. Okay, so leadership. Pike and Archer. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I'm going to go with Pike uh, because in the first episode, he doesn't want to lead and he still leads and gets respect. In uh, the Discovery show, the second he beams on board, everybody defers to him. Everybody loves him. They res- they revere him. They follow every order. He takes the time to learn everyone's names, which is mm-hmm. a wonderful move if you're a manager. Just saying. And... Um, you know, uh, every other time we've seen him in the Kelvin universe, he is a leader to Kirk and an inspiration to Kirk. So I'm going to go Pike. And uh, the Starfleet top brass sent him away during the Klingon war because, as they said, he was the best of us. And also, he, he, um, his leadership was so good that Spock was willing to commit treason to help him. Exactly. exactly. There we go. That, that just seals the deal, didn't it? Yeah. Well, although... Archer did lead the first warp five capable ship. He uh, saved the earth from the Zindi and he was responsible for uh, the intergalactic federation. So don't bring any of that warp five nonsense in with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Pike, Pike had warp seven. What? It was five. He oh. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have got to five. If it, it wasn't got to seven if he didn't have five in the first place. Yeah. So really Archer did more with less, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Archer was a is a, a good leader because he in the in the first episode he gets the crew together, he takes them you know, on this uh, mission to try and get this Klingon, uh, you know, back to his home world, and by the end of it, he says, "Guys, look, we're good enough. We can go out now with only warp five. We can go out now and be uh, the Earth's representatives, um, you know, the human species representatives." Uh, Who's with me? And they all look at him and they smile and go, yes, great. I don't want to go home and get my clothes first. I'm going to go right now. <laughs> and then they all said, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they said, yes, Sam, we're with you on this leap. So <laughs> you did it, Sam. You're going to leap. You're going to leap. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Um, they're, they're both great. 
<laughs> I get oh. this. <laughs> should we give them one point each and move on to uh, diplomacy? We we, we should we should. Uh, can we can we uh, give an edge to Anson Mount because he's a handsome handsome man? <laughs> Very true. We didn't have looks on this. We should have. No, we didn't. We Just have. purely for Anson Mount. <laughs> I don't know. Archer's got a good, you know, sort of chiselled features and a good solid he's, jaw yeah, there. You know, he's got a good square jaw. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's uh... but he's an, he's not Anson Mount. Nobody's Anson Mount. That's for sure. <laughs> Is this not the name of a of a big piece of rock somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Anson yeah, Mount. The Anson Mount. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, where just Kirk the way, fought the is, Gorn. So there you go. Is, is that, or is that the way um, Riker gets onto his chair using he the Anson mount? That's right. It's not the Riker maneuver. It's the Anson mount. That's right. And then, of course, we've got uh, poor Scott. Blah blah blackula. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't really work. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the um, uh, to the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the next category? Let's move on. The next category is diplomacy, which we're all showing lack of here. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it doesn't help that we started the, the pre-show absolutely killing uh. ourselves with laughter. But anyway, um, Captain Pack diplomacy, Jonathan Archer diplomacy. Archer's the first one out there. He's the first one to meet all of these new species and, and uh, new aliens. So his diplomacy has to be pretty good. He has to be really you know, uh, on point. And uh, not hope that his dog will come along and we on a tree. Uh, the first time they meet one of the aliens whose name I can't remember. And then the second time they meet them, he hopes to make up and messes up again. Right. So, and, yeah. and then and then the crew that he invited on board and they left because they were eating in front of them. <laughs> yes. Very true. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's hard work. I mean, he tries his best. Now, I don't know enough about Christopher Pike and his diplomacy. Uh, maybe you guys could help me out there because I haven't seen Discovery yet. I haven't seen Discovery season two, three. Which yeah, one two. Is it? He's in two. season two. Okay, I need to watch season two. Not really a lot of evidence for diplomacy in there. Like, no, I can't think I of can't much. Can't think of anything. Uh, he there's a standoff with another alien species who you'll find out about, Paul. I'm not going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he obviously represents the federation and says look you know back off otherwise you're in brief breach of violation things like that and he does try to talk them down but eventually it does escalate and becomes a full-blown conflict and other than that he doesn't he plays the system well he works with sort of admirals and things like that but diplomacy as far as other people uh, the telosians in the cave that's- yeah, that's what I was thinking about the cage. He was was he diplomatic? Maybe. He uh, he uh, he he did do an agreement with them and uh, got to yeah. leave peacefully. So that was pretty diplomatic. But I, I think this goes to Archer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you say, at the end of the uh, the seasons, he's he's brought the Federation together. That's pretty diplomatic, I'd say. So yeah, okay, Archer gets that one. And before we go on to the next category, I think we should take a break for another promo for another show in the ESO Network. Are you tired of podcasts only covering good movies or bad movies? Where could you possibly turn to find both in one convenient place? There has got to be a better way! 
Well, now there is. Try the podcast Double-Edged Double Bill, where Adam and Thomas dive into both a good and a bad film in every episode. Sound too good to be true? Well, listen to this testimonial. Double-Edged Double Bill got me to watch Total Recall and Junior in one night. I was both entertained and scarred permanently. Thanks, Double-Edged Double Bill. Available now on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are streamed. We just played a great promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Oh, I'm sorry I missed it. We certainly did. Yeah, well, we just have to download the episodes and yeah. catch up. I'll, I'll be listening. Yeah, you'll hear it in about six weeks. There we go. Six weeks? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got told off by uh, my friend Paul Schofield, who um, said we uh, in one of the episodes we did miss a two weeks. <gasps> what did we? So, yeah, yeah, slap on the wrist there. I'll have to, totally, yeah, totally oh, fell. Man. I will have to make up for it then. Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. How many weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> okay. Christopher Pike, Jonathan Archer, fighting. Mm. Well, what was well, fighting? Um, well, I'm going to say that that has to go to Pike because uh, of all the people that are the creatures that he fought in. Um, uh, the cage and um, Archer always got his ass kicked, even in the pilot episode. <laughs> he was always getting bloodied, and beat up, uh, yeah, and captured. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. yeah. I think okay. I think you're going to be right on that one. I'm sure there's lots more examples because he did uh, four seasons as opposed to one. But okay, uh, Luck or Guile? Who's the luckiest of these two? Then Archer was pretty lucky to get the um, the command of the an XO one, an XO one. Yeah, yes, very true. Uh, first time. So yeah. He wasn't going to have it, so yeah. No. Lucky Sorry. that he met Shran, who saved his bacon a couple times. Two times. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good, a good alliance between those two. Pike. Well, he didn't have much luck because he ended up in a in a wheelchair, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, we got to say wheelchair, whatever. The beep whatever chair. That, uh, yeah. yeah. The beep chair. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, given what we know uh, from season two, he, it's not necessarily luck. He knows it's going to happen. Oh. Ooh, exactly, and he and he did it anyway, because that's the kind of leader that he is. Yeah, there we go. It's a bit of a Zahadun kind of John Sheridan situation. He kind of knows it's coming now, and so mm-hmm. he's living up to that thing. Uh-huh. So he kind of knows the the future, sort of a little bit. But he was a bit peed off when he saw that in his car. I know. <laughs> Which makes me all the more excited for Strange New Worlds because it sounds like it's going to be like Captain Scarlet because he knows when he's actually going to die or uh, he's going to be imprisoned inside the chair. So anything he does is set now. Like he could literally walk into flames and he knows he's going to survive because that's not the way the timeline is set. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Guile and luck. Come on. Who's going to, who's going to get this one then? Well, let's give it to Pike. Yeah. The, the big showdown okay. at the end of season two discovery. Uh, there's a lot of tactics going on. There's a lot of outthinking. Um, an adversary who is supposed to be smarter than them. So I would go for, for Pike on that one. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, last one. It's three, two to Pike. So last one here now is respect. It's the Pike medal of valor, isn't it? They made the medal after him. Okay. That That's sure. true. That's true. But the, the enterprise D did bypass Archer four in that mm. one episode, which I can't recall what happened in just that name. <laughs> So he had a whole planet named after him. That's only because he was the first to get there. Again, it's that whole warp five nonsense, you know, just just because he's the first one doesn't necessarily mean he's the best one. <laughs> you, I can't argue with you. 
Well, I mean, they must have respected him to uh, give him the, uh, you know, the, the actual chair, you know, the big chair for the yeah. NX01. So, well, it's only because his dad broke ground with Zephyr Cochran on the on the proving grounds for the facility, and of course, we all know that they sent Pike away because he was the best of us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't. Archer doesn't get much respect from. Uh, from the Vulcans, does he? I mean, he, and he certainly doesn't get a lot of respect from T'Pol to start with, but then ultimately she obviously does respect him. I think Pike gets it. Yeah. We go for Pike on this. Oh, so Pike takes it four to two. Wow. And goes through to meet up with Captain Adama. Captain Adama. Think about it. That will be hard. I'm not too sure I'm mm. going to go on that one. Well, they're not going to get any easier, really, no. these, are they? Because they're really getting mm. very well. All the, you know, the cream's rising to the top here. Absolutely. Oh, now the, this one's going to be an interesting one. Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Up against Captain Ramius. Who's Captain the, Ramius? The Hunt for October. Red October. Ah, okay. Well, um, I'm going to have to sit this one out because I've only seen four episodes <laughs> A Firefly, and I've never seen Hunt for Red October. So I've seen Red October, but I've not seen Firefly. I've seen both. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. We got, so we got it covered. So yeah, we're fine. We're all right. So to just to, to never mind the the discussion. Just tell us who wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Reynolds, absolutely, hands down. I'm a brown coat through through and through. Uh, Reynolds all the way. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Good that's enough. That's it. Uh, it, Ra- Ramius, Ramius is just one movie and I know there's a loads of books and everything like that but Reynolds I mean in every sense of the word yeah he's a great captain well Paul I think uh, <laughs> I think we have to give it to uh, to Dan's opinion because uh, he's, okay. he's the only so, one who knows so we'll go through it quickly then. leadership um, Reynolds because yeah. he built the whole team uh, lead- absolutely yeah yeah Whereas Ramius's leadership, he had to lead people who didn't know quite what they were getting into. So they were just following him because they thought he was the captain of the ship. Yeah. Sure. Diplomacy. Yeah. Takes a bit for um, a Russian captain to be, yes, be very diplomatic to get over to the Americans. Yeah, I'll give him that one. To be diplomatic. Right. Okay, fair enough. Oh, give him that yeah, one. Right. Okay. Generous. Um, fighting. Well, Ramius doesn't fight. And Reynolds does. Reynolds does. We're already talking films here, people. Uh, real life, I'm sure Ramius was a lot more oh, yeah. braver and would probably would have beaten the fictional Reynolds uh, in every category, but this is for what yeah. we see on TV. Um, Guile and Luck, well, ooh, I don't know. Ramius was pretty lucky to get that ship across the uh, without the Russians finding out what happened. True, but I mean, there's a whole episode where uh, they're out of fuel and it's all done in flashback and it's basically the captain staggering, having uh, received a sort of... A, uh, stomach wound and he's bleeding out and over the 45 minutes it's how he drags himself from the cockpit all the way to the engine room with the one part that's going to fix the machine and it's all of the flashbacks of how they got up to there and it's pure luck that he manages to get there before he, he almost you know goes unconscious and bleeds out and wow. that is a very lucky man okay. and still lives to tell the tale and respect and i think a lot more people respected malcolm reynolds than would have respected uh, Ramius, Ramius would have lost, lost the whole Russian country's respect, wouldn't he? Exactly. So. Okay, so four to one to uh, Malcolm Reynolds. So there you go. Who will he be fighting he... though? Will it be Flash Gordon? Flash, Flash, I love you, but we only have thirty seconds to save the Earth. Uh, or Captain Jean Luc Picard. So leadership. Yeah. Picard. Picard. Yeah. Diplomacy. Picard. 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 He's the ultimate diplomat. 
There is no better diplomat. I mean, you know, if this was uh, top trumps, he'd be one, you know, 10 out of whatever 10 it is. Yeah. So, yeah, for diplomat. Fighting. Um, Flash Gordon. You know. I, I've never seen Flash Gordon, but I think he would get it because yeah. Picard's not much of a fighter. He's, He's more not... of a lover. <laughs> a dreamer. He's ripped in first contact, though. I mean, the, that that's true the who else could rip the uh rip, rip the head off the uh the board queen after she's dead <laughs> okay flash gordon gets, uh, flash gordon gets that one yeah, yeah. He's, done, he's done more fighting yeah uh luck or guile um oh i think picard again because he's pretty guily he has to do all the thinking and he's got like a picard maneuver as well very true yeah. You don't hear the flash maneuver well <clears throat> no, 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 and not there are four maneuver. lights he wanted oh, yes. to say there were five, but he was pretty lucky to get rescued at the end there, and he only had to say four. Oh, yeah. There are four <laughs> lights! And that gave him the respect of the Cardassian that was torturing him. Very good. Gol Maset or Gol Madrid, one of those guys, I can't remember. Gol Madrid, wasn't he the Spanish one? Was he? Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, Picard gets a little more respect from A, his enemies, and B, his, his uh, friends, because of you know, the, the leadership abilities that he shows and the diplomacy abilities he shows when he, yes. uh, in first contact uh, situations. And, so. and, and Riker could have had 75 commands, but he stayed as first officer under Jean-Luc for 15 years just because he respected the guy so much. Of course. Of course. Could have been the youngest Starfleet captain ever, but no. Ooh. Even though... Um, uh, Riker became Admiral before um, Picard did in the books. I also heard that uh, they're bringing back uh, no, hang on, uh, Sandra Gomez. Oh, and Sonia Gomez? Yeah. Sonia Gomez, yeah. yeah. For Lower uh, Decks. For, yeah. for Lower Decks. Mm. Oh, oh, I, I hope they that. bring her, Yeah, I hope they bring her back as a captain <laughs> because she makes captain in the books. She gets promoted right the way through the book series. Mm. Uh, but if not, then that's fabulous. I hope they don't bring her on just as a comic relief mm-hmm. <laughs> in lower decks. She's going to spill hot but, chocolate on everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't go doing that. Make it. You know, get a get she's a promotion. St- she's, she's still an ensign. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's still saying please oh, to all the replicators. I really hope she still says please. <laughs> she was a crushing character, and if they yes. done what, oh, I'm so glad that they they treated her with respect in the books. Mm. And got her promoted. And, made and, and they have to they have to bring Harry Kim back as an ensign too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then replace him because um, you know he's not that good. So but this time replace him. <laughs> so there you go. Captain Jean-Luc Picard meets Captain Reynolds in the quarterfinals. And that is our final fight. And there is our lineup for the quarterfinals. Nice. James T. Kirk versus John Sheridan. That's going to be hard, Ooh. so hard. Benjamin mm-hmm. Sisko versus Catherine Janeway. Oh, boy. William Adama against Christopher Pike. Oof. Oof. It's hard to see which way that would go. There's no obvious one that would, that would win that, I don't think. And Malcolm Reynolds versus Jean-Luc Picard, and that has a potential for a, an upset there, but we shall see. We shall see. Um, we will take a break from this, and we'll go off and we'll do another um, couple of episodes of things. Next the next episode that we will be doing will celebrate our one year anniversary of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. One so year. one year ago, when when it's uh, when this is aired, 
uh, it will be our one year anniversary from our first air date. Wow. And Jeez. if you'd like to send in some feedback or comments, you can always do so by emailing us at Cosmic Pizza Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to your comments. Uh, and you can reach us on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. We also have uh, Instagram as well. And uh, we're also on TikTok for some strange reason. And yes, get, get in touch. If you want to, um, to give us any feedback for our one, one year anniversary show, uh, that'd be great. If you've got any uh, pizza recipes that you want to share with us, uh, any funny stories about pizzas, uh, yeah, please, please email in and tell us all about them. Uh, because that could be one of the topics that we talk about. The first time in 28 episodes, the first time in 12 months, we will actually be talking about pizzas. Mm. Now we won't actually talk about pizzas. No. That's it. So until then, our special is gone, and the grease in the box is cold, and we hope you are full to the brim. So join us for more Slices of Life in the next special delivery of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. We've been your deliverers today. Please leave a tip at the door by subscribing for future deliveries. Rate and review our service, and we hope you come back for more helpings next time. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok by searching for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. If you'd like to send us an MP3 file, you can email us on cosmicpizzapodcast at hotmail.com. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.